0: What's up Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 52 of Mr. Benfica. It is the one year anniversary of Mr. Benfica. That's right. One year ago this week, episode one dropped February the 15th of 2019 to be exact. I sit here recording tonight on February the 17th of 2020 and um, for the first time in the life of this podcast, really, Benfica have fallen on some hard times. That's right, hard times. Well, we got three games to talk about in this episode, and I wish uh, it was going to be a happier conversation, but there is a silver lining, of course. Benfica are through to the Portuguese Cup final at the Jamor. They will be facing, once again, Futebol Club do Porto at the Jamor, we assume. Some people... uh some people up north don't seem to like that idea. Uh, there's there's doubts as to whether or not the facility can actually host um, a match with, you know, this level of security risk, first of all, and with the amount of demand for tickets, but, uh, hell, it, it, it's got to be there. That's where the final is played. You don't take the final out of Jamour just because the babies up north don't like it. All right, so with that said... Um, Of course, we'll get to the Braga match, which uh, was heartbreaking, to be honest with you. And um, we'll get into that in this episode this week. Benfica now stand top of the table still, but with just a one-point lead. How quickly things change, how quickly things have turned around in the Liga Nog. But, hey, that's why you play the games. That's why it ain't over until it's over. Too many of us... We're ready to shoot Fugits into the air just two weeks ago, you know. Yes, we were robbed at the Dragon. The last episode, I went, I went through that in, in, you know, in infinite detail. Um, And a big shout out to everyone who downloaded the pod last week. That was our best one week performance in the history of this podcast. So that is a good way to ring in one year of podcasts. Episode fifty two. Somehow, I managed to average an episode a week despite having taken long lapses at different times in this in these 52 weeks. but there you go. one year to the day almost, and f- episode 52 drops right here. So this this uh, this episode, the first part of this episode tonight will be about the two matches with uh, with Fumily Ken. That was all this episode was going to be about, but then Saturday happened. I was gonna try to get this episode in Friday night. I could not because I had to be up early Saturday for work. Uh, I was thinking about doing it Saturday night, but then after Saturday's match played out, um, I I would not be able to sit here and just talk to you about Fumbley Co and pretend that that I didn't already know the result of the Braga match and therefore I have rolled it into one. I do not like covering more than one match per episode. Um, however, there's three to talk about tonight. So the two matches with family Con we're going to go through kind of quickly. Um, we'll just get a general overview and we will then go to Braga or to the study, de luge, and we will review in a, in a bit greater depth. The match with Braga. Alright, so sit right there. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. And you can find me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. You can find me on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. On Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And also, don't forget to check out the new website Mr. Benfica.com. Alright, I haven't put anything up there new yet. This week, my goal is to get a scouting report up for Shakhtar Donetsk i um, currently researching that, hoping to get that up by the time the Europa League match kicks off on Thursday, so stay tuned to MrBainfica.com, and uh, we will get right into it. We're going to have the news on the other side of Reconquista, so stay right there after we pay this bill. This is Mister Benfica. Yep. Recon-
1: a querer de todos nós a fé que não se explica carrega benfica carrega benfica move a nossa voz a querer de todos nós a fé que não se explica
0: and in the news this week for the week ending february the 21st here is the news for Benfica Nation, and the biggest news right off the top, it is my man Gabriel, that's right, and I won't be saying that uh, much more this season. Unfortunately, as we have lost Gabriel for the season, I am going to read the press release that Benfica put out. Here's the English version. Um, this was put out on Wednesday which would have been February the... As my calendar pulls up. Would have been February the 12th. Wednesday, February the 12th. Uh, this this uh, press release came out. And it says, This Wednesday, Benfica issued a statement in which it clarifies Gabriel's injury and informs that there is no return date for the Luzo Brazilian midfielder. It says, Barred from playing in the last... Two challenges for the Eagles against AFC Porto and against Fomalicom at the time for the Portuguese Cup. Gabriel will remain off the pitch indefinitely. Number 8, a regular option for Brunelage has paresis of the 6th left cranial pair with a limitation of abduction which conditions dipoplasia now i'm not a doctor so please excuse me for the medical terms and imagine reading this in portuguese as i did at first i had to uh i was fortunate enough to find this in english at a website and um i wish i could give the credit to that website but it was um I did find it when I Google searched it. I found an English translation, which made it much easier. I'll explain what this is to the best of my ability in just a moment, but I'm going to finish reading the statement as um, the club went on to say, Our player Gabriel presented the first complaints related to his vision the day after a Benfica formally Con at the Stadio de Luge of the Portuguese Cup. He decided to do all the examinations and tests recommended according to the clinical picture presented by the player, being nowadays more serious scenarios away. Not sure, That's a bad translation. Not exactly sure what that is supposed to mean there. But um, I think what it means is that due to clinical uh, picture presented by the player, and that it, nowadays these things are taken more seriously, I think, than in, in in past. Thus, it says, Gabriel has paresis of the sixth left cranial pair with limited abduction, which conditions dipoplia, high competition, and it can be read in the statement issued, and you can find it online if you want to read it, but it does quickly give a... Brief, what is paresis of the sixth left cranial pair? According to Manual MSD, the paresis of the sixth left cranial pair affects the lateral rectus muscle, impairing the abduction of the eye. The affected eye is unable to rotate outward fully and is able to deviate inward when the person looks straight ahead. Such anomaly resolves regardless whether the cause is identified or not. As for treatment in many patients, remission of the sixth cranial nerve palaces occurs. Since the underlying disorder is treated in general, there is a remission of an idiopathic paralysis and an ischemic paralysis within two months. Now... I have no idea what that means. I'm going to be honest with you. So I, I texted this to my wife. My wife is a mental health professional and much more familiar with the human brain than I am. And even she was quite confused as to exactly what this is. But she said that the the sixth left cranial pair is the part portion of the brain that controls vision. And she says that um, there's nerve damage, likely nerve damage, that is not allowing the eye to abduct okay which means to rotate outward as the description says basically he's seeing vision because there's some nerve damage in the message going from the brain to the 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 eye and um it should heal itself within two months is what that long statement about remission means um but the player is going to be you know treated and he, he in some cases, this requires, you know, laser surgery of some sort. In some cases, this is a sign of a much deeper problem. So, I'm very, very concerned for the man, Gabriel, much more than the player. The player will be fine. Um, I'm worried about uh, the human being behind the player, you know. Um, he's a father, he's a husband, and he's a family man, and obviously his wife and his son Want him around for a long, long time. So hopefully whatever the cause is of this, it is treated and it is cured. And um, I keep, you know, hopeful that this is nothing serious. Um, but Gabriel, in the freakest of injuries, will not take part most likely in any more football this year. Also in the news, courtesy of Ebola, the FPF announces the date and time for the Portuguese Cup final. And as it reads here in Portuguese, it says the Federação Portuguesa de Futebol anunciou já a data e a hora da final da Taça de Portugal que será disputada entre Benfica e Futebol Clube do Porto. The the Portuguese Football Federation announced already a date and and a time for the final of the Portuguese Cup, which will be played between Benfica and Porto. Como habitualmente no estádio Nacional, a partida será realizada a 24 de maio, domingo, com início marcado às 17h15 e horas. In English that is, as usual the final will be as is custom, the final will be played at the National Stadium at the Jamor as we call it, and the match will be played on the 24th of May, a Sunday. With kickoff scheduled for five fifteen p.m., five fifteen in the afternoon, or seventeen fifteen for those of you in Europe, as you say it, um, it is the thirty seventh thirty uh, seventh appearance for Benfica in this final, where it was we were last in the final in two thousand seventeen, where we were victorious over Vitória Guimarães, while Porto returned to the Jamor one year after their last. Uh, appearance their thirty first appearance a year ago where they were beaten by Sporting, on penalty kicks, Benfica look to win their record twenty sixth Portuguese Cup on May the twenty fourth. More regarding the Portuguese Cup final, and this comes also from Abola, and it says this is the headline in Portuguese: "Dragões ele- 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 que final no quote." Quote unquote. está na verdade desportiva. Translation. The Dragons. Porto allege that the final and they're intentionally sending a message by calling the stadium the the Oedish Stadium. They refuse they are intentionally omitting the word national. They don't want to call it the National Stadium. It's located in Oeiras. They're calling it the Oeiras Stadium because it's This goes back to the 1983 Cup Final, where Porto managed to get the Cup Final moved to the Stadio. uh, The Zantes, Porto's previous home before the Dragon, was built in 2004. So this comes courtesy of their own newsletter, Dragões Diário, or the Diary of the Dragons, Port allege that the final uh, of the Portuguese Cup is wounded in <laughs> verdade esportiva, in sporting uh, truth, I guess is how it translates. And basically, what they're saying, and this is all the work of that moron Jota Men's, uh Jota Marques, excuse me. Uh, he's saying in consequência da qualificação do Benfica que no So he's saying this is a consequence of the qualification of Benfica and not what would have been the fair result, Famalicão. Load a bull from that club up north. And they're already playing the mind games. I don't know why the federation allows this kind of garbage to spew out of any clubs and official newsletters. You don't see this in England. You don't see this in Germany. You don't even see this in Italy. Okay, but in Portugal, everything is fair game in the press. They go on to say, and here in Portuguese it says, (laughs) A final do estádio de Oeiras só contesta aqui há mais de três meses, mas tanta distância já está ferida na verdade desportiva o adversário do Futebol Clube do Porto será o Benfica e não como seria justo o Famalicão Os encarnados recorda-se beneficiaram de vários erros graves de, de arbitragem para se qualificar OK I can't even read the rest of this because it's such bullshit and I have now I have to put the the exp, yeah. I now have to. I can't call this a clean, a clean edition, but I don't care. That is utter bullshit from our rivals up north. Okay, what it says is that the final at the Oedish Stadium, as they you know, insultingly call it, only happens is only happening from you know three months from now. But with so much distance, it, it um our adversary, Porto's adversary, will be Benfica and not. As it should have been, Fumley Cohn, as the just winner would have been, Fumley Cone. It says the Reds, remember, were <laughs> benefited from various referee, various grave referee errors to qualify, which I think is hilarious because those pieces of shit qualified. <laughs> On a BS penalty kick. And I do not normally talk like this. I don't like to talk like this. Now I got to put an explicit uh, content label on this episode. But they don't. They qualify with referee's help. They win the way they won in the Clásico, in the league. This is an intentional trolling from that moron, Jota March, Who shouldn't even be allowed to hold that position anymore. He's nothing but a troll. And yes, I'm falling for it. And unfortunately, it's created this climate where if you're Benfica, you have no 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 choice but to respond and to hurl your own insults back because otherwise, they're just going to keep piling them on. They go on to say they they beat Santa Clara on a BS offside goal that their own coach, you know, acknowledged was offside in earlier rounds. They play Valtudo. They had a a, a scissor kick to the back of Tiago Cardoso's head. The guy was bleeding from a boot of a Porto player and these idiots want to go to the press and say that Benfica are only there because of the referees go screw yourselves every single one of you Porto bitches go Ugh. okay I have to stop that's not the way I talk they go on to say blah 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 Gabriel should have been should have been sent off yeah whatever they uh you know, I. Listen, what happened this weekend at. I, I guess I do need to talk about this before we go too far. What happened this weekend at the Guimarães Stadium at the Don Alphonse was was an embarrassment to all Portuguese, okay? Musa Marega did not deserve to be treated that way. Nobody deserves to be treated the way he was by those fans. I don't care if he played for you. I don't care if he taunted you. I don't care what the reasoning is. Racism is never justified. With that said, anything, there is few other things I will feel sorry for that can happen to that team. You you know, I... Don't feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for the man, Marega. I feel nothing for the club, Football Club Du Port. Futebol Club Du Port, Corruptus. I feel nothing for them. So, again, nobody deserves the treatment he got. And that goes without saying. But anything else that comes their way, you're not going to get any sympathy from me. Football, Clube do Porto. Alright. Benfica responded. And this turns to be the gossip hour. Benfica responded the next day. On the 13th of February. A ball printed. Courtesy of News Benfica. And they said basically what I did. Já não chegou, que o, golo, já não chegou o golo como que o Santa Clara foi Im- eliminado nos oitavos de final. Wasn't it enough the way Santa Clara, the goal that eliminated Santa Clara in the round of 16, is what that says? If you could go on to remind Porto that they were benefited of the referee. And they remind Porto that what we're seeing right now in terms of Porto Calu is back to the, the low points it was in the 80s and 90s. It's an absolute embarrassment what this club gets away with. And they should not be able to get away with any of this. And they should be punished much more severely for everything they do and they get away with everything. Moving on, your UEFA Youth League, Benfica will face Liverpool in the round of 16. They will play either on March the 3rd or March the fourth. and it looks like the ma- the match will be played at Seychal. And while we're on youth while we're on the youth team, uh, the Wall Street Journal, one week ago, the American financial uh, newspaper, The Wall Street Journal included Benfica in their article. Europe's most efficient player factories are in Portugal, led by youth academies like Benfica's. A country of 10 million people wastes no talent. Uh, you get some. You get comments from Pedro Marx, one of Benfica's youth academy directors, and they outline. Some statistics and some facts about player exportation out of Portugal and player development in the Portuguese academies, with I think, of course, leading the way. An interesting fact is that Portugal, a country of just 10.3 million uh, the defending European champions currently have 292 professional players in 45 countries abroad, beyond its borders. In comparison to Italy, a proud soccer nation with ten with six times as many people. As Portugal only has 105 professional players abroad, according to the CIFS Football Observatory. All right, let's get into the Modalidade. It's been a long segment, but let's get into the Modalidade. And I'm just going to run off results from this past weekend. Women's basketball, Benfica 71, Gifões 55, 18th round of the national championship. Women's hockey CA Fada 2. Benfica 9. 18th round of the National Championship of Women's Hockey. Benfica B in football. Men's football two. cover the Piedad, the Nil. That's in the Skunda Liga. Benfica Women with they advance in the cup. They're on to the semifinals. They win eleven to two at home to Amora. We've got women's futsal. Pavo nil, Benfica 9, quarterfinal of the Portuguese Cup. Women's handball, Colégio de Gaia 31, Benfica 26. That was the 19th round of the national championship. And we've got men's hockey. Sorry, more women's hockey. This was from earlier in the weekend. It was Clube de Hockey de Carvalhos 2, Benfica 9. They continue unbeaten in Portugal in over 1,000 games. Consecutive match days now, I should say. Some 240 or so straight games. Um, we go to men's hockey. And you have SKG, herringen 3. Benfica, 4. That's in match day, 5. Group C of the European League, the League. Men's handball, Benfica, 29. MT, Melsungen, 26. That's the second match day in the EHF Cup in handball basketball, men's basketball Benfica victorious, 131 to 69 at Taseda Basket, that's the 20th round of the Liga Placard, men's volleyball loses a set this time in the national championship one of their first sets dropped all year domestically but Benfica win 3 sets to 1 uh it would be 1925-22-25, 25-22, and 19-25 were the scores respectfully. And men's football men's futsal will close it out. Um they will win 3-0 on the road at Quinta de Lobes in the round of 16 of the Portuguese Cup. Let's quickly move to the Liga Nage scores for this week. Round 21 in the Liga Nage started off on Friday, the 14th of February, and it was Vitória Stuba 1, Gil Vicente 2, Portimonense 1, Morerens 1, Santa Clara 1, Tondela 0, Benfica 0, Braga 1, Riwab 1, Sporting Lisboa 1. On Sunday, Bovista 1, Blinish Sad, a.k.a. Code City 2. Maritimo, 3-0, winners at home in Madeira over Passos de Ferreira. Vitória Guimarães 1, Futebol Clube do Porto 2 in that game with the embarrassing display um, directed towards Moassa Marega. And closing the round, Famalicão 1, Desportivo das Aves 1. Famalicão continues their skid. Alright, that is the news. A little bit long this week. Sorry about that. But that is the news for this week. On the other side, we'll get right in to the Portuguese Cup semifinals. we got two legs to talk about. Benfica and Famalicão. And so we start our three match journey tonight on Tuesday, february the fourth, twenty twenty. We're at the Stadio de Luge, and it's Benfica and Familicon, the first leg of the Portuguese Cup semi final. Uh, here are the eleven. We start with, with Family Con in goal. It is Vana. The left back is Coley. The center back pairing Patrick William and Riccielli. And the right back is Ivo Pinto midfielders. They they have the left mid, Fabio Martins. The left center mid, Pedro Gonçalves. The center defensive mid is Gustavo Assunção. And the right center mid is Rachic. On the right side of midfield, down the right flank, is Diogo Gonçalves, the on-loan Benfica player. And the lone striker up front is Tony Martinez. Benfica would start with this 11. And to some people's surprises, and fortunately so, uh, Bruno Laj rolls out Odiseos, Vla- Odiseos Vlacodimos, or Odi, in goal. The left back is Grimaldo. The center backs are Jardel and Ruben Dias, And Andre Almeida is the right back. In the four in midfield, Chervi on the left, uh, Tarapt, and Gabriel in the center with Pizzi down the right. And up front, it is Chiquinho partnering with Seferovic. Alright, so, a couple of changes, as you know, this game fell right between uh, Benfica's two league matches. This was just days before the showdown at the Dragón, the Clásico, that we talked about back in episode 51 last week. So, Bruno Lage was resting a few players, um, notably Fehu. He would keep him out in an attempt to rest him, in an attempt to get him to regain some of his focus, to give him a day off. Uh, unfortunately, though, Jardel would not last much more than ha- the first half. He would take the field in the second half and not last much longer than that. Unfortunately, also, he would uh, rest uh, my cousin Vinny, Carlos Vinicius, opting instead for Harris Seferovich, uh up top. Pizzi and Cervi are both in there. They're the two regulars in their position, and Ulian Weigel was in the stands. He was given the night off. As Tarapt partnered with uh, Gabriel, and this is a partnership I do not like. Okay, This is a partnership I don't like for a couple of reasons. I know some of you like it. It worked for a few Liga games for a couple weeks, but uh, it leaves a huge, huge gap in the middle channel, in the center channel. Gabriel is not a holding midfielder. That You're not getting the best Gabriel by playing him as a holding midfielder. He's not able to press. He's not able to step high, which are the two things he does best. Yeah, he can still knock his long balls out. A bit, but you know, when that's gone, he's not allowed to do the other things that he does well, which is to pressure the ball, to step high, and to force mistakes from the opponent. Instead, he's playing in a center defensive mid role where he has to stay home and, and not commit and, and protect space. And as a result, you know, and the other thing is, Tarabt has, listen, Tarabt has some amazing ability going forward. When the ball at his feet, he's got magic. However, when it comes to defending, when the other team's got the ball, Tarapt is just a walking disaster defensively. He's nowhere to be found. He's running around like crazy, and he's almost a guarantee to get booked every single time he plays. And you know, that's not the first time I'm going to say that in this episode, as you'll find out as we go on. But um, what happened was, as a result, it left an absolute freeway down Benfica's center channel, and especially slightly to the left side, where Fumilicão really enjoyed all kinds of space and all kinds of time and was able to run at us with pace and really able to create so many chances and make this match much more difficult than it needed to be. Uh, In the 13th minute, Gustavo Assunção from Fumilicão would go in the book. He'd be the first to go into the book. In the 43rd minute, it was a yellow to Grimaldo and the... First half was pretty uneventful, okay? So not much happened there in that first half. We go in to the, the halftime, into the team room for halftime, I should say. And, um, you know, but if you get this time still rolling, all right, you gotta we got to go in the time machine and go back a little bit, realize where they were at that time. Um, I know I was thinking, oh, we'll just roll it out. We score more goals in the second half than anybody else. We'll just do that again. And, um, you know, one minute into the second half, unfortunately, F- uh, Fehu has to come on to replace Jardel, who was injured, and may miss months now um, with a ligament injury. Uh, so not a good sign, as we are incredibly thin now at the back, with only two central defenders left on the first-team roster. This is not good. This is not good. And Fehu has to go back in, and he's... Is not able right now to play out of his funk, as we know what would happen four days later at the Dragon. But in the 53rd minute, Pez makes it one-nil from the spot, um, as the ball was crossed, hits the the Fama player on the arm, no doubt whatsoever. D- don't even want to hear it. It's as clear as day. It's a penalty kick, and Pez steps up and puts it home. One nothing to Benfica. In the 53rd minute, but seven minutes later, Pedro Gonçalves would level for Fumalico. He was uh, assisted, of course, by Benfica on Loney or Loni, Di- Diogo Gonçalves on a nice pe- on a nice play where again Con went down that center left channel, um, that absolute freeway that is left there in Ulianaigle's uh, absence and without a true a true holding midfielder and with the added woes of both Ferru and Grimaldo defensively um it left us with no no um uh, no coverage that is as uh, family cone just break down the center at pace they dish it wide to Diogo Gonçalves who then plays a nice ball in to Pedro Gonçalves who slots it past Odie and it's one to one and the nervousness starts to set in at the Stadio de Luge at that moment and does not take long that was in the 60th because in the 67th minute Bruno Lige goes to the bench and that's it for the rest for a couple of his uh, heavy hitters, if you will. The the normal uh, strike pair of Carlos Vinicius and Rafa Silva are off the bench. They're on. Chiquinho and Chervi are off as Benfica look for the firepower to try to get a winner here uh, as there are shortly, or I should say, there are little more than 20 minutes to go, but it would be the guests who would get the next one, as in the 73rd minute, it would be the striker Tony Martinez, who would make it 2 to 1 to Fama on an assist from Pedro Gonçalves. And the Stadio de Luge goes absolutely silent. Uh, nervousness absolutely setting in. Worry now sets in, as we all have still very fresh in our mind the collapse in last year's TASA last year's cup semifinal against Sporting and it looks like it's going to happen again it looks like maybe Benfica are not going to get to Jamor once again not to mention we're on the heels of or I should say on the eve of the Clásico at the Dragão and this is not a good sign of things to come Uh, but five minutes later in the 78th minute Vinicius would play it across the face of goal Find Rafa at the back post, and the Portugal international would put it home to make it three to two. two uh, to make it two two. Excuse me, as Benfica will draw level, and then in the final closing moments, we would actually in the 82nd minute. Excuse me, um, Fomilico will go to their bench, as they will make two defense-minded substitutions. Ruben Lameda and former Benfica Youth Academy product. in one time for one game, <laughs> Benfica senior captain uh, Roderick Miranda come on. Fabio Martins and Pedro Gonçalves come off. And I think this was a mistake for Fumalicone because this invited Benfica forward. And um, Benfica did make them pay in the 90th minute. It was a Grimaldo corner from the right side. The outswinger finds Gabriel, and Gabriel heads home, the winner, to give Benfica a 3-2 win in this first leg. Now, remember we've been saying for a couple of weeks at this point, Gabriel was becoming a target in the box on set pieces. Gabriel was finding his way to the ball. He was finding his way to get efforts on goal, and in this one, he did not uh, disappoint. Runs to the camera, does a nice celebration. As he blows a kiss to his son, Um Unfortunately, though, and this really breaks my heart because you all know how I feel about Gabriel. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you've heard me call him my man, Gabriel. I love everything this player does on the field because he works and he he hustles, but he's smart. He's intelligent and he can knock a long ball. He can play it short. But most importantly, he brings intensity, pressure, and strength, and steel to this Befica team that severely lacks steel. And even when he's playing horrible, as he was in this match, he played horrible in this match. He still wins balls. He still wins aerial duels. He still wins tackles. He still presses the ball and, and and hurries the opponent and forces mistakes. If he does nothing else in a match, if he's playing horrible and nothing's going right, he still brings you that. Even if it takes 500 long balls and none of them hit, you know what? He still brings you something on the defensive side of the ball, and he brings much-needed steal to this team. Unfortunately, this is the last time we would see Gabriel for the 2019-2020 season. As he would be hospitalized the next day. And as you heard in the news, he would uh, be diagnosed with an eye condition. And he went complaining of double vision. And it it took shape after this match. And it explains why some of his passes have been so poor recently. As he's been, his vision has been slowly uh, deteriorating over the last couple of weeks. And it is a real, real hard blow to Befica. All of Bruno Lage's three losses in the league have something in common. All three of, or I should say the losses in the league this year, as well as the loss in the league last year. Oh, they didn't lose any matches last year, but the loss at Alvalad last year in the TASA, the one thing they have in common was Gabriel was not on the pitch for any of those matches. Domestically, we are unbeaten with Gabriel in our side if Gabriel finishes the match. He came off injured at Alvalade last year, and that was the end um, of of Bruno Laj's unbeaten run as he was beaten by Spartan in that match, domestically at least. And uh, now, you know, he was not available against Porto in August as he had injured himself in the Super Cup match not available at the luge not available this past weekend against braga and not available for the rest of the season this is one of my biggest worries going forward for benfica is the loss of gabriel now a couple other observations i made in this match not a go, not a good performance at all overall for 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 the side i put like i've already said that gabriel and terap partnership in midfield does not work it's a nightmare. Uh, Famalicão exposed our left side, foretelling what was, would come in Porto. And Pedro Gonçalves and Diogo Gonçalves did as they pleased down that channel. Port uh, Benfica, excuse me, very, very lucky to score three times in this match and to come away with the victory despite giving up the two away goals. And I also wrote that it was Gabriel's final match of the season. Uh, most likely. And he scored a goal in minute 90, which ultimately ends up being the difference in this tie. Uh, some of the stats. Shots. Benfica with 14. Fumly Cone with 12. Benfica with 7 on goal. to Fumly Cones, 3 on goal. Shots from in the area. 10 to Benfica, 6 for Fumbley Cone. Total passes. Benfica, 470. Fumbley Cone, 388 efficiencies. Benfica, 84%. To Fumley Cones, 80.9%. On the vertical pass, Benfica was 71.4% effective. While Fumley Cone were at 66.7%. Possession, uh, Benfica with the slight edge, 53.3% to 44.7%. Benfica offside eight times. Fumley Cone just once. Benfica 11 fouls. To Fumley Cones, 15. And in duels, Benfica won 70. And... Family Co 158, and many of those came, of course, from the foot of Gabriel. And Gabriel, I'm looking at his stats here on uh, Goal Point, and I'm going to read them to you. As Goal Point did publish here a heat map for Gabriel after this match, and the heading for their article was the five things Gabriel will uh, most be missed for, but. You can read it yourself if you go to goalpoint.pt and just search Gabriel, it comes up right away. But this is his his rankings and his statistics for this entire season, okay, up to the 12th of, of February when this was published. And the Passes for Finalization passes for shots, 0.6 per match, uh, passes efficient passes or successful passes I should say pass efficacy 78% disarms or steals 3.0 per game interceptions 1.0 1.8 per game recovery of possession or re- yeah recoveries of possession 8.0 recoveries per match for Gabriel that's an unbelievable stat and the percentage of aerial duels defensive aerial duels won by Gabriel 71% of his duels he wins that's an incredible record like i said he brings something that nobody else in that midfield brings and he brings steel and we saw in the loo- in the dragao just how much we were missing steel and it's just an absolute um Shame that we're going to lose him for the rest of the season as he is the number one winner, reco- recoverer of balls in the entire team. So he recovers more more balls than anybody else on the team, recovers possession more than anyone else. He's the second leader in, in steals. He has the most interceptions of any any Benfica player this season. And like I said, he's the number one uh, defensive aerial player. It's not Ruben Díaz. it's not Ferru. It's not Weigel. Weigel's only been here for you know for a snack and a break. Um, but it's not it's not any other player in midfield. It is Gabriel, and he is the third highest ranked goal point ranking rating player on Benfica with an average six point twenty-four. Obviously, We wish Gabriel all the best, a speedy recovery, and we hope to see him back next season at full strength. That is the end of of leg one. That's where we will, will cut off from leg one of the semifinal tie. So now we will go into leg number two, and as I pull out my notes here, leg number two, was earlier this week, Tuesday, February 11th, to be exact, February 11th of 2020. And we're at the Stadio Municipal de Familicão in northern Portugal, in the city of Familicão, in Vila Nova de Familicão. Uh, and we have Familicão hosting Benfica. As you know, it's a 3 2 aggregate, as we just talked about the previous uh, match, the first leg at the Stadio de Luge. Fumily Cone would start with the same exact 11. Now, note that in between the two matches, Fumily Cone rested 10 out of the 11 starters in their um, league match at the weekend, having dropped a 7 nothing decision to Vitória Guimarães with that reserve squad. So they put all their eggs in this Portuguese Cup basket. They were going to use the Portuguese Cup as their ticket to the Europa League. Well, they would need to win this game by a goal um, or just win by a goal with Benfica scoring less than two goals as they did have two away goals to bring into this match from the first leg so same 11 for Fama it was Vaná, Coli, Patrick William Richili, Ricci- Ricci- Ivo Pinto, Fabio Martins Gustavo Assunção Pedro Gonçalves, Rachic, Diogo Gonçalves and Tony Martinez Benfica would keep Odi in goal. Grimaldo would return. Ferru and Ruben are the center backs, And Tomas Tavares in place of the injured Andre Almeida, who was injured uh, at the Dragão, as we talked about in the last episode. Cervi returns to the starting lineup after missing the match with Porto. He, in midfield, it would be Tinu returning to the starting lineup. Florentino Luiz is the holding mid, partnering with Tarapti. While PZ would play down the right, Rafa and Vinicius return to the starting lineup in the Tasa. And we get right off the start in the 22nd minute. It is a yellow card for family clones, Racic. And um, Benfica started well in this match. This was not a good game, but... Early on, Befica started well. They went for it. They knew they needed a goal. They knew they couldn't sit back and play for 0-0 on the road, especially the way that the team had been defending as of late. You can't put any confidence in keeping a clean sheet the way that you have been playing, despite having the most on-form goalkeeper in Portugal right now, in Odisea's, Vlacodimos. But in the 24th minute, a very nice play as Pizzi plays it, plays, excuse me, plays... Carlos Vinicius into the box. The the big Brazilian puts it across his body near the near post where Chervi is there first and he heel flicks it with the inside of his heel back out front where Pizzi is running on and Pizzi slides it into the open goal and Befica quickly make it 1-0 early 24th minute and they make it 4-2 on aggregate and now Pummelicão need 2 if they want to advance. 28th minute Tarapt would get in the yellow would get in the referee's book for a yellow card and this is something I really feel like we're going to say every time he plays because he cannot stay out of the referee's book. Again, he can do so many things going forward, but he's such a liability defensively. And that's fine if you have the team around him to allow him that kind of of Liberty to just to just forego his defensive responsibilities. But every time he's trying to pressure the ball, he his positioning is not good. He doesn't know what angle to come in to pressure at. And he ends up always coming in late and catching a guy and finding himself in the referee's book. In the 45th, Pedro Gonçalves would go in the book for Co And that would take us to halftime as Benfica would go into halftime ahead, a goal to nil on the night, ahead 4-2 to on aggregate. But just before the halftime, I do want to mention that Fumley Cone did put the ball in the back of the net. It was allowed at first, but fortunately for Benfica, um, the VAR official would have a second look at it. And Jorge Souza's decision to allow the goal would be overturned. It would be no goal, and Befica would go into the halftime locker room with the one-nil lead. And again, you're looking for Bruno Lage's team to come out firing in the second half. They didn't. They did do it in Porto. They came out well in the second half against Porto. Scored early, set the tone, were unable to complete the comeback, but they made the effort and they they did some good things in the second half in Porto. Not the case in Count on Tuesday night, uh, 60th minute. It was a yellow card to Cherry. 64th, um, Tomáš Tavares' turn to go into the book for a yellow card. And... Brunelage will go to the substitutes bench at the 65th minute. Same exact minute he went to the s- substitutes bench in the first leg. Um, and this time it would be Chiquinho entering for Rafa. Rafa having an off night here against Fumilico. Uh Not his best performance. Chiquinho comes in, brings a little bit of spark, brings a little bit of effort. But again, the quality is not there. The team looked I'm going to be honest, the team looked incredibly tired, incredibly exhausted, incredibly fatigued in this match. And it is a huge emotional, um, it's an emotional wear, and it's an emotional exhaustion you get after a classico, Especially to lose in the way that Benfica did lose at the Dragon. It's not making an excuse, but this match was 100% what I expected to see in this match. I didn't expect Benfica to answer by coming out firing on all on all cylinders and blazing and putting six goals in the back of the net and sending a message to the rest of the league. I did not believe that they had the physical capabilities to do that against what is a strong team. We need to remember just because Fulham came were promoted this year. This is no you know, this is not your typical promoted side. This is a team that is loaded with talent, tons of 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 talented players loaned from large clubs like like Athletic, uh, Athletic Madrid and Valencia and Sporting Braga, among other clubs. Benfica, as we know about Diogo Gonçalves, um, this is a very strong Jorge Mendes influenced team. This is basically the Portuguese Wolverhampton Wanderers, and uh, this was never going to be an easy match. And with the the emotional exhaustion and the physical exhaustion. Bafika brought into the match. This match was exactly what I expected it to be. Um, the result was going to be better than the effort, was going to be better than the performance, and I always prefer that. And um, if you have any doubt about what's better—a uh, uh, good result or a good performance—well, when we get to the Braga match, you know, we, we can talk about that a little bit more. But Chiquinho comes on for Rafa three minutes later. Walterson enters for Fomley Kong replacing Ivo Pinto. Uh, 71st minute, and it is Fabio Martins going into the book with a yellow. And in the 76th minute, family come bring on (laughs) Schiapasse, a very difficult name to uh, pronounce for the Brazilian, who comes in to replace Paulo Gonçalves. And in the 78th minute, again, down our left side, down our very fragile left side, our broken left side. Famlicom's right side, it's none other than Diogo Gonzalez again, our own player, who makes a nice play. And he slots it across the face of goal. And Tony Martinez beats Odie to bring Famlicom within one goal of punching their ticket to the Jamur. And in the 85th minute, Odie would see yellow for time-wasting. A couple more saves from Odie in the match. And Bruno Laj with his What's Becoming? Patented, copyright patented, 90th minute substitution. Seferovic on for Vinicius. And Benfica would see out the result and come away with a 4-3 aggregate victory. 1-1 on the night, 4-3 on aggregate. Benfica advance to the cup final at the Jamor. They will face Football Clube do Porto, who in their second leg later uh, on the night, I should say on Wednesday night, the next night, after a 1 1 first leg draw in Vizil, would win 3 0 at home to Vizil on a very questionable. No, it's not questionable. On an absolute BS penalty kick where there was no foul. Again, that team being carried by referees and then an offside goal that. We find out a day later the VAR image never made it to the Cidad Football where it was to be reviewed by the Federation. Once again, video a Porto strikes. Porto are in the cup final. We'll see them in the Jamur in May. Here are the stats for this second leg, this ugly, ugly second leg, at least from a Benfica perspective. Shots, total shots, Benfica 7, con 18. Shots on goal. Benfica, two. Fumily eight. Shots from inside the area. Benfica, four. Fumily eight. Total passes. Benfica would lose this, this stat, which they don't normally lose. Benfica, 400. Family 480. And how about the efficiency? Benfica, 80.8% efficient. While Fumily improves from their previous performance to an 86.3% percentage efficiency very very big improvement in that category for family Cohn between the first and second leg vertical pass percentage a horrible number for me 59.3 percent the most common pass made in this match was between was between Grimaldo and Ferro and it was backward most times family Cohn in the vertical the vertical pass category 74.3% efficient very good number for them possession 54.3% to fumolecom 45.7% to benfica benfica committed 19 fouls while porto excuse me while Fumley-Cone committed 9 and benfica loses the dual matches the dual match 50 duels to Benfica, 59 to Family Co. Already missing Gabriel in this one. That is one stat where Gabriel picks up the slack. Benfica, very, very lucky not to go out on away goals again as they did last year. Um, saved in the 45th minute by a VAR decision. Correct decision, but still saved. Benfica, this was a this was a goal point stat, and this is an interesting stat. Benfica with 0.0 expected goals in the second half what that means is when you have a chance that should uh, finalize in a goal all right um, or when you have a certain amount of chances it gives you the statistic of expected goals maybe go with 0.0 an absolutely um, abysmal mark um, in that second half and Florentino Luis, in his return wins only one of 11 duels not a good performance from the young a holding midfielder in this match. Odie, by far the man of the match, as the Greek keeper is the only reason Bayfica are going to the final. Um, and it's a good thing we have him and his performance in these two legs was the difference. Now, let's hear some of the audio. First, we're going to hear from Peasy in the post match, um, in the flash interview post match.
1: e sabíamos que nos ia causar muitas muitas dificuldades acho que na primeira parte fizemos fizemos um bom jogo tivemos duas ou três falhas que que obviamente temos que corrigir e depois claro que com o golo deles eles acreditaram até ao final mas acho que que este jogo tinha que ser assim com luta com uma entrega muito grande porque estava estava em causa uma ida a uma final e a verdade é que estamos estamos muito contentes por, por ter conseguido esta passagem Obrigado
0: so PZ there uh, summarizing what he said um, in translation. Basically, he said that the team is satisfied with the result. It was a tough match. He gave a lot of credit to Fomalicao. He said that they are a good team and they're very strong in 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 con- constructing play and building up play out of the back and working it up the field. And he said that uh, this that the players very happy to move on to the final at the Jamur. and. We are very happy that BeFico will be there also. Um, not a good performance, like I said, but but Pefica would get the result they needed, and sometimes it's better to be lucky than to be good, and that was the case in these two legs in the semifinal tie. Um, in closing, like I said, Porto would advance as well. We're going to play Porto at the Jamur, and as you heard about in the news segment. Now, um, coming out of this match... Um another thing that I took was that this left side this left and left center of the defense is just an absolute uh it's in shambles right now. I have never seen Grimaldo defend so poorly as he is defending right now. Ferru is just um you know he he's a kid that needs a I think he needs a break. Uh I think he needs some time to to regroup because he knows he's not playing well, and he's under immense pressure because the opponents are focusing in on him, and it would be the case against against Braga. He, in my opinion, played better against Braga over the weekend, which we're going to get to that match and next, but um, still saw his guy get goal side of him and saw his guy score the goal, but um, I think by keeping him out there, it is not helping him at this point. And I think Bruno Lige really has to have a serious thought about perhaps sliding Andreas Samadis into center back for a bit and re-solidifying that that position there and re-solidifying that back line a bit um, in letting the young Ferru have a few matches or a few weeks to regroup and to refocus. Uh, Also, you know, I wouldn't put Weigel back there because Weigel was brought here basically because... He left Dortmund because he was playing center back. All right, he's a defensive center mid who... who Wants to play his position, obviously. And Befica afforded him that opportunity. So you're not going to bring him for $20 million and then slide him into center back once again. Yes, he can play there in an emergency. Yes, if you're out of substitutions, he can fall into into that position. But I would go with Samarish at this point. Samadish is much more experienced. Samarish is the ultimate team guy. And I am going to talk about Samarish <laughs> when we talk about the Braga game. He didn't even play, but he made an impression. And we really need to find time for this guy. Bruno Lage really needs to find playing time for Andreas Samadish. So I think it's time to, to give him some, some rub at, at center back and let him get on the pitch again. And let him, uh, let him make some tackles. Let him win some headers. Let him mark a, a striker and help the team on the field as much as he helps the team in the, in the locker room. And as much as he helps the team supporting them from the sidelines. Andres Samari deserves to be playing in this squad. All right, we're going to take a real short break, and when we come back, we're going to get into the Liga Nage, Round 21, Benfica hosting Sporting Braga. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinio. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mister on Instagram at MrBanfica, on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Benfica and of course, at the new website, MrBanfica.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica, episode 52. And thank you for hanging with me this long. I know it's been a long episode as we are over an hour in now and we finally get to the main event of the episode this week. It's this past weekend's match with Sporting Braga. So, a lot on the line in this match. A lot of pressure on Benfica. A lot of pressure on Bruno Leisch. Let's uh, start with... The starting lineups beginning with the visitors Braga. They would play in a three, they would play in their three, five, two formation, which very easily and very quickly can transform into a five, three, two. In goal was the Brazilian Matheus. the three across the back, Raul. All, it was, sorry, Raul Santos partnering with Wallace and David Carmo. And then the wing backs on the left side, Skeda, And on the right side, Ricardo isgaio The three in midfield, you have João Palinha in the hole with Sergio to the right and Ricardo Horta to the left. Up front, the strike tandem of Paulinho and Galeno. Benfica would come out with their normal 4-4-2. No real surprises in this one. Um, one change, but the, due to injury, or two changes, but I should say one change, and it is due to injury. But you start with Odie in goal. Very informed keeper for Benfica right now. The right back is Tomas Tavares, who replaces the injured Andre Almeida, as we said in the midweek game with Famalicão. Ruben Dias and Ferroa, the center-back pairing. And the left-back is Grimaldo. Julian Vigo is the holding midfielder with Adel Tarapt, his attacking mid. Franco Cervi playing on the left and Pizzi on the right. Up front, the tandem of Rafa and Carlos Vinicius. And we are at the Stadio de Luge. It's February the 15th, 2020. Attendance is 59,371. And as soon as the broadcast begins, we see LFV with Braga president Antonio Salvador and Portugal national team manager Fernando Santos in the Tribuna do Presidente. The Stadio de Luge is rocking out to I will survive as the captains Pizzi and Fran Sergio join the referee Hugo Miguel at midfield for the coin toss Uh, Hugo Miguel is refereeing Benfica for the fourth time this season assistant referees are Bruno Zuz and Ricardo Santos the fourth official fourth official is João Malheiro and the VAR official is Bruno Esteves his assistant Rui Cidad. Benfica is in their traditional home kit of red jerseys, white shorts, and red socks. Braga in their change kit of light gray tops with light gray shorts and dark gray socks. Ruben Amorim returns to Stadio Luz for the first time as an opposing manager. Remember that he spent eight years with Benfica as a player. Elder Condutu is on the call for BTV. He would call the game with Rogerio Matias as his color commentator and Luis Costa Branco and João Martins down on the pitch side as reporters. The match kicks off with Carlos Vinicius starting the play as the two sides are separated by 20 points in the table, but that is not an accurate depiction of the difference between the quality and the sides. I've been saying for weeks, this is the most informed club in the Liga Nage. I'm talking, of course, about Spartan Club de Braga. Ever since Ruben Amorini has taken over this is now, his ninth match with eight victories and one draw, he's won twice against Porto, won twice against Spartan, and he's now gone to Stadio de Luge and beaten Benfica. In the third minute, Skata drops the ball along the right touchline. to Galinu who carves out. I'm sorry, who car, who carves inward? Excuse me, and sends the ball with an in swinging cross toward the far post. But it's too far for Paulinho to reach. He slides but cannot reach it. Fourth minute, a minute later, it's skate again with the cross. Looking for Paulinho again. And this time, Ferru gets there first by sliding. A nice early good play by the young defender who has been dipping in form and who desperately needs a good match and desperately needs to turn his form around. Uh, good play early on there by Ferru. In the fifth minute, it's another cross. This time, it's Ricardo Izgaiu. And he crosses from... Braga um his cross for Braga is defle- is just deflected away by Tomasz Tavares at the last second Fran Sergio was nearly there nearly got the first touch and he was in front of goal would have been a dangerous play 6 minutes still Braga Palinha plays the ball back to David Carmo and this is this is a good change in fortune for Benfica as David Carmo takes a heavy first touch and he is quickly dispossessed by a full speed rafa and the portugal international runs at pace into the box with from the front uh, from the front center to the left keeping the defender uh behind him on the right shoulder and he crosses by wallace who is trying to cut him down on his left he gets by him and then with the outside of his right foot attempts a shot at the far post however His technique lets him down as his effort goes wide by a meter or so past Matius' post. Ninth minute, and it's Ulian Weigel now winning the ball in midfield, taking his space, dishing to Tarapt. Tarapt beats Palinha on a Zidane turn, that's right, a Zidane turn, and he plays in Carlos Vinicius who dribbles past Matius to the keeper's right, but the angle tightens too quickly and Vinny's left-footed effort Goes into the side netting. Benfica with a good chance to take the lead. Two early chances for Benfica, unable to finalize on those chances in the 12th minute. It's Odie. He knocks one long diagonal over the top of Braga's backline into the area. Cervi, Cervi, I should say, never quits, and he shows his determination and he gets in. To the box and is able to beat Wallace to the ball. But the Argentinian is off balance. And I should say Argentine is off balance. And his left-footed effort is well wide. But the crowd in the stadium at the Luge. Applauds the effort for the Argentina-International Franco-Cervi. 16th minute. Great combination play in the defensive end of the middle third. Vigel finding PZ, combining with Tomasz Tavarsh, uh, as Rafa appears in the gap, receives the ball, and runs at Braga. He runs at Braga at the defense, at pace, forcing the defense to commit, and he plays the ball then to Chervi. But Chervi is unfortunately offside as he breaks into the box all alone. 21st minute, Tomaj again, dispossesses Skada, plays a nice one 2 with peasy plays to Rafa, Rafa uses the inside of his heel nicely to flip the ball into space in front, preparing to run onto it, but he's brought down on a late, clumsy challenge from David Carmo. he comes in late and from behind, it should have been ascending off, there is no question about this one, it should have been ascending off, Hugo Miguel lets him off the hook with a yellow, and the VAR is not consulted. Again, <laughs> had he been <laughs> any one of Porto's players that did that and was brought down like that, you best believe that the VAR would have been in the referee's air to look at that one more time. Not, in the, ca- not the case here. And this, ladies and gentlemen, whether we play good or whether we play well or whether we play poorly, this is what we're up against the rest of the season for the next 13 weeks, okay? The next 13 rounds of the Liga Nage. We're going to be facing this. We're going to be facing the referees. We're going to be facing the VAR as well as our opponents. Absolutely no excuse to not at least check to see if that's a red card foul. That is what VAR is there for. Miguel does not allow that to happen. Elder Kundutu steps in and says that the foul is clearly would certainly justify a sending off. But then Elder will backpedal a little bit and say that he understands the referee not wanting to send a player off so early and condition the game. Too bad. That's not the referee's job. I need to respond to that because I'm sick of this attitude that people have. And a lot of people have this when they're watching the game. They have it when they're coaching the the game. They have it when they're talking football. That the referee is somehow, you know, a manager of what happens on the field. That's not the case. The referee is an arbitrator. The referee is there to judge what happens in the match, he's not there to influence the match or there to control how many players are on each team he's not there to save anybody from being sent off he's there to simply judge what happens on the field this was poor refereeing and unfortunately we keep talking about this every episode and I hate talking about referees I want to talk about the X's and O's I want to talk about what happens inside the pitch and somehow we find our way back to referees week after week 27 minute. Chervy with a long pass for Pizzi, but Matilj is there first. Comes out, grabs it, and smothers it. 30th minute, it's a diagonal ball sent on a rope to the far post for Tomáš Tavares. He tries to first time it towards the penalty spot where Vinícius and Pizzi are arriving. However, it is cut out by Matilj. Nice play by the Braga goalkeeper to anticipate and come out and get that ball before Benfica is arriving. Uh, Support could hammer that thing into the goal. 32nd minute and now we're at the other end. It's Braga. It's Skata with the cross. Direct free kick. And he finds Polina whose header goes off the post to Odi's left. But Hugo Miguel whistles for offside. 34th minute and it is Rafa running at pace again. Into the attacking third at three Braga players. He's brought down referee waves play on an absolute another head shaker of a play. I don't play on for what? It's a clear foul. It's just the inconsistency of these referees and their intimidation. I don't know if they're being threatened by the Super Dragonish. I don't know if they're receiving, you know, some kind of messages, but it's like they are doing anything and everything to not not give calls to Benfica. This is this is, is horrible. In the 36th minute now, it is an Isgayu cross for Braga. And it, it's it's one and headed clear by Ruben Dias. Tarap collects it, runs at pace into the Braga, half of the pitch, and he is brought down Palinha, who, by Pailinha, who cuts him down. Um Sorry, who cuts him down, and the referee has whistled, and Paolinha does go into the books. Ruben Paolinha of Sporting Braga is shown the yellow card. We're in the 39th minute. Ruben clearly wins the ball from Paulinho. However, Hugo Miguel blows his whistle and gets it all wrong. You can see in the replay, it's a horrible call. There's absolutely no contact there, but the 46-year-old referee gives a dangerous free kick to Sporting Braga on the ensuing free kick. Let's see here. Ensuing free kick, it is Ferru with a beautifully won ball, a long diagonal to PZ. Nice ball from Ferru. And we got a... Long ball, it goes to, to Pizzi. Pizzi, who first times a cross right onto Carlos Vinicius's head. But the league's top scorer squanders this one as he can't get it down and get it on goal. It goes wide, and we have missed the best chance of the match. And Befica would be punished for that squander just a few minutes later. First, we got the 44th, and it is Rafa brought down in midfield by Pelinha. Again, no call from Hugo Miguel. Braga play long to Galenu. Ruben Diaz takes the ball cleanly, and again, Hugo Miguel blows his whistle. He falls for Galenu's theatrics, and there's absolutely no contact. The replay shows no contact at all. And even if there had been contact, Ruben gets his foot on the ball, and then Galenu kicks Ruben's foot. That is not a foul dangerous free kick another one given to Braga and this one would cost Benfica remember the one remember the sitter that Carlos Vinicius just missed with his head just a minute ago well on this ensuing free kick from Skata it's dumped into the goal area it's botched a little bit and Raul Silva on the ground is able to knock the ball into space for Fran Sergio, who's all alone in front of goal. He shoots, but an outstretched Odysseus Vlachodimos, with the save of the match, he is fully stretched all the way, makes a great save with his two arms coming out, fully extended. But it does go wide for a corner, and that is where this happened.
1: já tínhamos alertado para a bola parada do Braga marca tal como aconteceu no estádio do Dragão com o Porto de bola parada marca João Pádua mas atenção que aqui uma confusão Tomás Tavares tentou pegar na bola e procurar a bola rapidamente no círculo central com Silva tirou a bola e chutou depois a bola para a
0: bancada Elder Conduto with the call of course and that is Braga's goal it is a corner kick from Skeda outswinger as the lefty puts the outswinging ball into the area. And, unfortunately, João Palinha gets goal side of Ferru, And heads home the ball to make it 1-0 to the visitors from Minu, And the Guerreiros take the lead. Their fans are in delirium in the Topo Norte. And um, that really closes out the half, unfortunately, uh, shortly after... Play is restarted. Hugo Miguel will blow his whistle for halftime. Although you heard there at the tail end of that call, the shenanigans going on as uh, Benfica tried to get the ball and bring it to midfield and replay it. Uh, Raul Silva gets into a scrum there, roughing up, uh, or I should say b- trying to bully Tomáš Tavares. Ruben Dias stands up for his teammate, gets in there, And there's a little bit of fallout, and Hugo Miguel ends up booking both Ruben and Raul as we go to halftime, unfortunately. My observations in this first half, it it was disappointing because Benfica actually played pretty well in this first half. This was a good first half. Aside from their lack of efficiency in front of goal and their lack of finishing, um, Benfica did everything right up to that point. I said that. Benfica had a lot of success when they were able to find Rafa between the lines, between Braga's lines. And Rafa is able to then exploit holes, find them, and feed the ball to the, to his teammates into space. The left side of Benfica's, Benfica's left side, I should say, especially defensively, was much better than they have been as uh, Izgayu and Ricardo Orta, were really non-existent in that first half, as was Franzenju. Really, n- nobody uh, was really had any success for Braga, going down that side. The only place they attacked from was from the right, and, and interestingly enough, but um, or from our right, I should say, Tomasz Tavares' right, their left. But really, the the only uh, the only danger Braga brought in this first half was from set pieces, half of them from horrible calls. So I mean, Bafika did did improve in that sense. Unfortunately, they still find themselves behind, and a little bit cruel for for uh, for Ferru. Um I saw the social media people are killing him on this goal. Uh, he played. He was playing so much better until that happened. He was winning balls. He was making passes, connecting long balls, and then. Paulinho gets goal side of him and is able to head the ball in. You heard Elder on the call there say that, you know, just like they did against Porto, another goal from a set piece. um, That's the translation of what Elder said there. And it was. Braga had scored just like this at the Dragão against Porto four weeks ago, whenever that was. Um, That time it was Paulinho getting on the end of it. This time it was Paulinho. I did write that Vinicius squandered the best chance of the match, and the team was punished minutes later. Nice play in the middle third for Benfica, but lacking the final service in the attacking third with the exception to the one chance that was squandered by Vinny. Um, Yeah, the middle third play was good. Benfica created chances. This was not a bad half for them. Um, Really a little bit hard done to to come out of that half trailing after creating so many chances and being unable to put them away. All right, we're going to take a quick break here before we get into the second half. So we'll be right back with the second half. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustino. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. You can follow me on Instagram at Mr. Benfica on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica and check out the all new Mr. Com. We'll be right back. without further ado, let's get right into the second half as it kicks off with Francescu. And in the 47th minute, it's Chervy tracking down the left. He plays Tarapt into space. Tarapt tries to deliver the ball into the penalty spot for the trailing runners, but it's cleared for a corner by João Palinha, the goal scorer. PZ's ensuing corner, punch clear by Mateus. 48th minute, the ball is won by Weigl. He creates some space for himself. Turns, finds Tarapt, who switches the point of attack to PZ. PZ finds Vinicius posting up on David Carmo in the box. PZ turns onto his preferred left foot, fires that goal to the near post and just hits the near post to Matilde's right side. The keeper was beat, but he was bailed out by the upright. Another good chance for Carlos Vinicius. And this one was painful to watch not go in. And this one is starting to make you wonder if this is just not going to be your day. For Benfica, of course. 52nd minute. And Odie with the drop kick, He plays it into, into space for Rafa. Rafa running onto it. Matuj is there to clear and he kicks, but he kicks the ball off of Izgayou's arm. No call at the other end. And, uh, no call, I should say. Remember, last week a precedent was set that players need to be in control of their their arms at all times. Izgayou's arm is outstretched. It is deflected by this clearance from Matuj outside the area. But no call, of course, because there's different sets of rules in this league depending what stadium you're in and depending who the opponent is. And at the other end, Vigel wins the ball cleanly, but Hugo Miguel whistles for a non-existent foul. And this is just getting to be a comedy right now with with these referees and the way that they're seeing these matches. It's just getting to be a comedy. 54th minute, two minutes later, Izgayu goes into the book for a late hard challenge on Chervi. The ensuing free kick from Grimaldo finds Vinny, but his header is wide. Vinny goal with another wide header. Plenty of chances on a platter for Carlos Vinicius in this one, having a tough time of it. In the 56, Tarap wins. Uh, sorry, Tarapt arrives late for a challenge and brings his boot down on the metatarsal of João Painha. And once again, Tarapt goes into the book. His seventh yellow card in the Liga Naj this season. I'll talk about the... I'll just say it now. You're a baller. You can play. You've got skills going forward. You can't help the team if you keep getting booked and you're getting suspended. And you're getting sent off for yellow card accumulations. Stop getting booked, Adele. Stop getting booked know <laughs> when to make the challenge and when it's too late don't stick your foot in that's my uh that's my appeal to one Adele Terapt in the 57th minute Mourinho will go to his bench and he brings on the newest Barcelona acquisition that's right the man with the 300 the 300 I'm sorry Yes, 300 million euro exit clause as of next season with FC Barcelona. None other than Francisco Trincão. He replaces Galeno in the Braga attack. And he's going right to the right side of the attack. He's going to go pick on Ferro and on Grimaldo. You can see what the instructions were for him. He goes right over there and quickly gets into the play. 58th minute Braga. Um, Braga gets service to the 20-year-old substitute immediately. Talking, of course, about Trincão. And he combines with Orta, who finds Sergio and shoots. But it's another quality save from Odie. 59th minute. Terapt wins the ball in midfield. Plays in Rafa as he runs at pace. Has Vinicius open. It's a two-on-one. But waits a split Second. Rafa takes a split second to make up his mind, and th- that's where he made the mistake, because that's all that was needed for the angle to be lost and for the passing lane to be closed. As he then tries to play it to Vinicius, and it is cleared away quickly by Wallace. And Rafa chooses wrong and his cross was cleared. 62nd minute. And it's that that area there between 60 and 68 minutes where Lige likes to make a substitution. And it is Seferovic for Chervi. And the Luge faithful do not like this decision. The crowd is whistling. They wanna keep they want Laje to keep Chervi in the game. Lige right now is a man that is is looking like he's running out of ideas. Um, every manager goes through this, okay? Everyone goes through a run where no matter what you do, you know it doesn't work, or you just don't have the solutions in your team that you need for the problems that exist on the pitch. Um, Benfica was not very successful in the transfer window. I'm gonna be honest, okay? We picked up Weigel business-wise a great deal you know how high i ra- highly i rate the player but it was not what the team needed at the moment it's an it's you know in 3 years we may we may look back and say it was the greatest basic signing of all time or the, you know of the Lige era but right now it's not where the team needed needed numbers and of course now you're stuck going with two stwin- twin strikers again as now we got vinicius and Seferic playing together. And worsely, Rafa is taken out of the out of the gap in behind the forward and put out onto the left where where Chervi was playing. And that of course means that Rafa has to attack, leaving the right flank wide open for Braga to exploit because he's not going to get up and down the pitch at this point. He's not going to help you if he's back defending when you're losing. And that opens up all kinds of space for Izgayu to get forward. Um, 68th minute. And Peasy now with a nice slalom. All right. Peasy. Oh, I skipped the line there. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, the 65th. We have Vigel with a nice dispossession. He steals the ball from Francescu. Finds Ruben. Ruben loses the ball, however, to Paulinho. And he has an effort on goal, but again it is Odie with a fantastic save diving to his left. 67th minute Rafa with a nice ball. Playing in Vinicius who crosses without looking. Raul Silva nearly puts the ball in his own goal, but Matilj makes a dive, makes a kick save. He saves it as he's falling, stretches his leg back towards the ball, makes a kick save. And Braga get a little bit lucky here on this one. One minute later, it's PZ now with the slalom I referred to a minute ago. Goes in and out between three players from the right to the center, back to the right, back to the center. Takes a left-footed shot, but it is saved by Matilda's fully outstretched left hand along the ground. Benfica now, after this play, will start to force crosses, and this is when things start to get tougher for Benfica. It starts to become the football a bumbu that we don't like. It starts to look like Rui Vittorio ball, as people say. Um, I don't know that it looked like that. I I didn't quite see it quite that. that, uh, I see that as a bit of an exaggeration by an unhappy fan base, understandably so, but there are just so many bad crosses forced into the box, but I at this point have dropped their wing backs back. They're playing with a line of five across the back. They they want nothing more. They love the idea of you just sending balls in, rather than Benfica doing what they were what they were having success with and working the ball into spaces, with short one twos and with touches and getting into the gaps and playing the ball. Playing the through ball into the gaps, they start launching crosses, and that's exactly what Braga want, and that's exactly what they're prepared to defend, and exactly playing into their strength defensively. Um, but of course, when Lige keeps adding forwards, there's little else you're gonna do but try to get the ball to your big your big forwards in the box. And we go now as Benfica, um, like I said, tr- having trouble. Uh, from this point forward, creativity begins to dissolve in the Benfica play as desperation is beginning to set in and that 's again long balls or you know unnecessary crosses from any angle are a clear sign of desperation. It tells the opponent that you 're getting frustrated and you don 't know what else to do, and when your opponent has these pinaish, these pine trees back there, five of them you know to to win headers in the box it 's not going to trouble them much. 74th minute, and Rafa wins the ball in the middle third. Dishes to Trapt, who runs with it at pace, and he's cut down from behind by Sergio Hugo Miguel shows the yellow card to the midfielder, Sergio In the 75th minute, it is Vinicius again with a go from 25 yards out, but this was a poor decision as his shot was weak and right at Matiusz. Shortly thereafter, Weigel with the perfect ball over the top onto PZ's run. PZ brings it down, but Wallace gets a last-second deflection with a toenail, essentially. He barely gets anything on it, but he gets just enough to get it out of, out of his path, forcing Pizzi to to change his... His angle a little bit, and that's enough for the ball to get away. And for Matilj coming out to get a palm on it and palm it away from peasy peasy would go down looking for a penalty kick. The stadium wants it, but looking at the review, there's no penalty there. There's no foul. It's a brilliant play by the goalkeeper, Mateusz. Um Benfica, again, desperation starting to set in. What is another thing you try to do when you start to get desperate? You try to create a penalty kick, okay? Our rivals in the north get one when they do that. We uh, don't unless it's overwhelmingly obvious. And even then, sometimes we don't. Horta, um, sorry, Ruben Amorin will go to the bench again. 78th minute, he it's a brother for brother switches. Andrea Orta, the former Benfica player, replaces his brother, Ricardo, who's also a Benfica youth product. And the Benfica fans politely applaud the Horta brothers uh Bruno Lage will also make a change as Chiquinho comes on he replaces Viga uh, after watching this game a second time this was a pretty good game for Weigel. i have to give him credit he 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 cut down a lot of attacks and he connected a lot of passes and no they're not all backwards and no they're not all sideways all right he did make a few nice daggering passes forward and diagonally into space to help Benfica create some Some chances, but naturally, you need an attacking player. You always sacrifice the number six in this situation with 12 minutes to play. And Benfica now just even more so continue to send hopeless long balls into the penalty area, never troubling Braga. 81st minute, Chiquinho attempts an in swinger to the far post, but it's too far and out of Seferovic's reach. Eighty-fifth, it's Peasy with the hopeless cross again, easily dealt with by Mateusz, It's right where he's standing. Brunelajsh <laughs> out of out of chips apparently or out of cards to, to to deal goes to Diego Souza once again in in place of Tomas Tavares. It's a striker for a forward, and once again we have three strikers in the box, and once again. This clearly has not been worked in training as uh, there just isn't any room for them to do anything up there. It just brings more it brings more Braga players into the box. That's the problem. You play with three strikers. It's not three on three like Elder Konduz says here in the box. It's three on six because it just drops more Braga players back and you have less room to work with in the part of the field you need to be in to create a goal. At the same time, I can't fault the manager because he doesn't have other options on the bench. You're not going to bring in Samadish. You're not going to bring in, uh, you know, you're not going to bring in Nuntavarj in this situation. So. When he doesn't make subs, he's criticized for not making subs. Now he's making them for the sake of making them because people are asking him for the sake of asking for them, and it's not helpful. I think Benfica almost would have been better to not have changed anything and to kept playing the way they were playing up into the 68th minute before the changes started to be made. 87th minute, and Amurin will make his last changes. Rui Font will come on, another former Benfica player. He replaces Paulinho. And Braga will see out the result. Benfica will. Benfica tire in this and late in this game. Uh, the legs are heavy, clearly. There's been a lot of minutes played by some of these guys in the past uh, couple of weeks, and it's not going to get any easier. Ugo Miguel will blow his whistle for full time, and Braga with the shock result, winning 1 0 at the Luge for the first time, if I'm not mistaken, in the league. In 56 years or something like that, I know they won for the they won at the luge in the Tasa, not that long ago, a couple of seasons back. But this is the first one in the league in over 56 years, and you know I don't like when people read out those stats of how many years it's been since uh, a team has won. This was a matchup of two teams that are very even, especially in the first 11. it was notable. Andrea Orta came in, and I think he was trying to help Benfica. <laughs> I mean, he really he didn't want the ball when he had it. He made soft pass. He either passed it to his teammates in bad positions, or he made almost intentional. Well, looked like intentional errant passes to Benfica players. I think the Benfiquista in and Andrea Horta. He was very. He had a very uh, big internal conflict going on in this match, um, but. You know, it doesn't matter what Braga have done in the last 56 years during these 90 minutes. I'm a big believer in that history has no effect in in, in the current match. Um, what happens between the lines in those 90 minutes is what decides the match. It's not what happened 40 something, 30 something, 20 something years ago, okay, or how many years it's been. I, th- that stuff is, is great for pundits, Fans fans worry about it it can become you know it can become a detriment to players mentally but this this Braga team under Ruben Amorim is absolutely you know flying right now and they're mentally they're they you're not they're not going to be shaken right now there's no reason why they can't be, they can't believe that they can go and win on any pitch in Portugal against any team i don't know if i said this on the pod or if i just said this to myself but when um when Amorim took over and when Braga started running off the, this run of results, I did say to myself, and I may have said it here on the pod, that Befica are fortunate enough to advance in the Europa League. I want to avoid Braga at all costs. And my concern is justified in this match. I mean, what you saw there, Braga just incredibly efficient. Super well organized. Okay, they gave up their chances. Benfica didn't capitalize, and they punished them. That's what good teams do, especially on the road. They're a much better constructed side than Benfica in a sense that Benfica are younger. Okay, so so Braga are a more experienced side, and they don't have any stars. You know. Trincao is their only, you know, really big blue chipper, the only guy that's going to sell for a fortune. Everybody else is just a really good, solid player. But as a team, they come together to make a very, very strong force. And had they not had such a bad start to the season in the league under Sapinto, I think this Braga team has the talent to have been champion this year. Fortunately for us, that didn't happen, but now we've got to go forward, okay? I'm not going to panic. Personally, I'm okay. I'm not ner- too nervous yet about this, okay? There's 13 matches to play. We're in a better place than we were last year at this time. Got to keep that in mind, okay? We still got to play 13 matches. Porto has to play 13 matches. Porto do not have the quality in that squad, okay? to run off 13 straight wins in my opinion the way that they play if they change something about the way they play i may change my opinion but porto at their best when they're emotionally invested when they're using when it's all about effort and work rate and intimidation and physicality that all that stuff's fine that's when porto's at its best okay porto can't play like that every day it's impossible okay they're gonna wear okay they have Europa League matches that I think that they're going to take very seriously to go as well. So, they're going to play this week against Bayern Leverkusen. As Benfica are going to play Shakhtar Donetsk. Braga will face Rangers. Okay? So, all, there are four Portuguese teams remaining in the Europa League. I would like to see all four teams advance. I want Porto to advance, not because I want them to advance, but I, I want their fixture list to be conge- to be as congested as ours um, because I think the way they play is more prone to fatigue than the way that we play okay Benfica can't if they can yes these players have a lot of miles or a lot of kilometers run in the last and it's showing there's fatigue but a couple of changes you know a little bit of freshening up on Thursday giving a few guys a little recovery time and I think this team can get its legs back. The way Porto play, where they want contact and they want physicality, that's gonna wear on a team more. So I'm not, I'm not confident that Porto are gonna pull off 13 straight wins here, which would bring their total, I think, to. Well, they would have won all 17 uh, se- all seventeen matches in the second half of the season. That's what it's going to take for them to win the league because I think Bayfica can get this thing right. I'm concerned about the next Bayfica match on the road at Gil Vicente. We'll talk about that one. Um, I'll probably put a preview to that up sometime next week on the website on mrbayfica.com. Uh, episode 53 next week, we'll be, we'll be reviewing the Shakhtar match later this week on Thursday in the Ukraine. But Mephika have, you know, it's not getting any easier. They've got another 10 days or so uh, with four matches to play. After that, it lightens up a little bit. There's an international break coming up. There's a chance for the team to get its its, its legs back and to get its momentum back. They just have to ride out this wave and have to come out of Barcelos with three points in in a week's time uh, a week from tonight on Monday February the 24th they'll be in Barcelos up north playing against a tough Gil Vicente team that has already beaten the that has already beaten Porto. They've beaten Sporting if I'm not mistaken. They have given some real hard. They drew Braga. They're the only team to take points off of this Braga team since Ruben Amorim took over. So that's going to be a tough game, but I think Lige can manage the minutes right. Then I think they're going to they're going to put a good effort in. And I don't think you can you're gonna get this unlucky too many games in a row. That's that's the way I look at it. And I think, I, think I have to go forward and have to be confident. They have no reason not to be confident. They're the defending champions. Um and again, form is always just one good match away from changing completely. And momentum can can be picked up in one good match. Could even be Thursday in the Ukraine. Who knows? It's um, who knows what Lige is going to put on the field? Okay, he's on. Un- the manager's under a lot of pressure right now, and um, this is his first real, <laughs> first real pressure situation as a manager. Remember, his first job as a first team manager is at Benfica. Most guys start in the second division or they start at at you know, they start at Pasos or Tondela or a team like that, you know. A lot of them start even further back. They start further down the table, I should say. They start in the second division or in the company not the seniors. Uh, Brulage starts his his first team management career with Benfica. This is his first run of bad form. This is his first test. We'll see what he can do. Um, we'll see if he can ride it out. We'll see if his his belief system holds true and if he sticks to it, or if he he pivots from it and goes to something else. Um, I think. It it's going to be interesting to watch these next 13 weeks. All right, let's hear from Adel Tarabt after the match, talking to Luis Costa Branco. Uh, what went wrong with the Batika game today? Uh, I think we start one of the best half we do the first 45 minutes. We don't score the chance that we have. And after they score just before halftime, that uh, killed us a little bit mentally. But we kept going. But this is football, uh, I think... Uh,
1: Ralph we'll to it and uh, think about the next game. Okay,
0: thank you. Ta-ra. And no need for translation there as Adele Tarab, speaking in perfectly good English, explains what went wrong. He felt they had one of the best first halves that they've had all season. Um, I tend to agree. I thought that was a good first half, especially on the second watch. It was a very strong first half, just lacked the quality in front of goal and in the final touch. All right, so there was a, one other incident we do need to talk about. Um, post-match, Raul Silva taunts the Benfica fans. This This is like hypocrisy at its best, and this really gets to me. You see when you watch the interview, you, you see Raul Silva kneeling and, and, and praying, right? And as soon as he finishes and he crosses himself and he finishes his, his prayer, he turns to Benfica fans and starts, and starts gesturing towards them, starts provoking them. And this sets some of the Benfica players off. People do not appreciate that. And... Leads to what now is becoming the iconic image of who else but Andreas Samadis coming off the bench, getting in this punk's face, and letting him know he will not disrespect our badge, our fans, and our house. Raul Silva would be sent off for his effort. The referee would send him off. What a stupid way to get sent off. What a way to hurt your team in the next game, match. If I were Ruben Amorim, I would be absolutely livid with this with this fool for doing such a stupid thing. Um, clearly you can see he must have as- he has aspirations to join Porto. Clearly he's he's taking into their antics and uh, very good for Andreas Samaris for getting off the bench, getting in his face and not allowing him to continue to disrespect us and to taunt us in our house. If every player on this team had the fire in their heart that Andreas Samadis has, if every team had the burning passion for this club that Andreas Samadis has, he is honestly the biggest Benficiste, at least in the way that he carries himself of Any player on this team, regardless of nationality, man, I want this guy in the lineup in the worst way. I don't care how you have to make it happen, Laj. Get Andreas Samadis in the lineup. I've said it here. I think the most logical place to put him is at center back for now. Get him in there. Get him... Get... Ferru, some recovery, let him regain some confidence, let him regain some form, starting by resting and then playing his way back into the team through training. This is an experienced guy, a leader. This is the guy who should be wearing the captain's armband, match in and match out. It is Samadish. I said this last year when I was on this platform, on this podcast, calling to renew his contract. This is why I want Andreas Samaris on this team. Who else is going to stick up for our club? If he wasn't there, who was going to do it? All right? Bruno Lies, you have to make it happen. You have to get this guy more minutes. This guy bleeds for this club. He leaves it all out there. When he can't play, he does everything he can from the sidelines. When he's not even dressed and he's in the press box—not uh, in the press box, but in the luxury boxes—he's cheering from up there. He's he's suffering with the team. He's there with the team emotionally. This guy is too valuable to be squandered and to be rotted on the bench. And that is my rant. <laughs> When it comes to Andreas Samaris, thank you, Andreas Samaris. Let's go to the goal point, all right, as this episode is very lengthy now at this point. I'm going to wrap this up as quick as I can here. And we have the ratings starting for the victors from Braga. The Guerreiro's Mateus and goal was a 7.1. He was their highest rated player. The three-man backline: Wallace, 5.7. David Carmo, 5.5. Raul Silva, 5.2. 5 across the middle, starting way on the right. Ricardo Isgaio 5.8. Francescu, 5.7. Palinha, 6.4. And Cicada, 7.1. Very good job down the left flank for Cicada. As Braga did not really attack Benfica's weaker side on the left. Perhaps that's due to Benfica closing it up. Well, perhaps that's just due to the fact that Cicada was on such a tear in this game and was able to get so much accomplished down the left. Um, Galenu was a 5.8, Ricardo Horta 6.1, and Paulinho with a rare low 4.8 for the third leading scorer in the league. Now for, oh, and off the bench, you got Trincao earning a 6.3 in his time off the benches, 20 some minutes. That he played. Now, for Benfica, uh, Vlakoudimos in goal, another 7.6, another stellar performance from the Greek international goalkeeper. This guy is just standing on his head this season. He is, I said at the beginning of the season, he was the second best goalie in this league. Make no mistake anymore. Odie is the best goalkeeper in this league. He has surpassed Marcusine. He has improved immensely on coming out from goal. He's come out and cut out plays. He has lost some of that fear. Um, he could still be a little better with his feet, but hey, that's why they train. And I'd like to see him catch a little more, but it looks like the way that he's coached it is to is simply to punch everything out on a cross as to not let it drop in front of him. The right back, Tomás Tavares, 4.5, Ruben Diaz with a 5.0, Ferru with a 5.6, an improved effort from Ferru, and um, I did also note that on the fought mabab he was at a a I believe he was at a 7 for this match, a much better match for the young central defender. Grimaldo on the left was a 6.2, Chervi, 5.7, Tarapt Puts in, I guess, what you'd call a man of the match performance. He was the highest rated player on the pitch with a 7.8. Vigel with a 5.5. Pizzi 5.2. Rafa 4.7. And Vinicius 4.7. Off the bench, Seferovic and Chiquinho both earning a 5.0. In stats now total shots, Benfica with 10. Braga with 12. On goal, Benfica 3. Braga 7. From inside the area, each team took seven shots. Total passes Benfica connected 486 passes 80.2% efficiency to Braga's 403 passes with 76.4% efficiency vertical pass Benfica with that edge as well 6.4 sorry 64.6% to 59% for Braga possession was also in Benfica's favor 55.0 to 45.0 Fouls committed. Benfica uh, with more fouls committed again for the second match in a row. 21 to Braga's 16. Uh, duels won. Benfica did win the duel battle slightly. 67 to 61. Benfica with uh, an unreal 20 crosses, most of them poor, sent into the box while Braga had eight of their own. All right. Let's close the book on this. I've already said. Uh, my feelings on it all right I see some improvements it's hard to see that in a loss but when you're analyzing the match when you're you're the manager you have to find these things when you're the in his staff you have to find these things. I think Bruno Elijah and his staff will find positives in this to build from um, we cannot be blinded by the result despite how heavy of a defeat and how much this completely shifts the momentum and the power in the league to our rivals. But with 13 matches to play, let's go down the table. Benfica still in first place. 18 victories, 3 defeats, 54 points. Porto second now, only one back. 17 victories, 2 draws and 2 defeats. Braga, third with 37 points there. 11 victories, 4 draws and 6 defeats. Sparthing is fourth with 36, a point behind him. Fumley Cow now out out of the European places. They have 33 as they edge Huav in head to head to take fifth over Huav. Seventh place is Santa Clara with 29 points, and then Bovista, Bovista and Guimarães, eighth and ninth respectively, with 28 each. Gilles Vicente, our next opponents are 10th. They got 26. Vitória Stubal, 11th, also on 26th. Tondela and Maritimo each with 24. Moreirense, 23 and 14th. Bullish Sad Code City, now coached by Petit, move a little further from that relegation zone. They are 15th with 21 points. Passos de Ferreira are in 16th with, sorry, in 16th with 16 points. They're one ahead of Portimonense, who are 17th on 15, and Avs still believing, as they're three points from safety right now. They are bottom of the table with third points let's go to the leaders just we're just gonna read the goal leaders this week all right Vinicius still the top scorer with 14 Pizzi still second with 12 Paulinho still second still third excuse me with nine but Sandro Lima of Joe Vicente has joined him now with nine Sandro Lima with three goals from the spot Paulinho none therefore Paulinho holds on to third Bruno Fernandes is fifth, even though he's no longer in the league, as we talk about every week. He's got eight, and then a whole host of players have seven, um, a large amount of players with seven goals. Let's look at next week's fixtures now, okay, as we look at ahead to round 22 of the Liga NOS, Starting on Friday, Avj host Vitória Guimaraes, Saturday, Tondela host Huav. Bolonense Sad host Marítimo. And then Sunday, Moreirense host Santa Clara. Passos Ferreira home to Familicão. Sporting Clube Portugal are home against Boa Vista. Sporting Braga home against Vitória Stúbal. And Football Club do Porto have a chance to go into first place when they play Portimonense. They play before Benfica next week there on Sunday. Benfica playing Monday. They're the only Monday match. They're on the road at Gil Vicente. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have kept you long enough. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. This has been Mr. Benfica. There's more stuff coming this way later in the week. Um, I would say early next week and somewhere in there, you will see an ep- you will hear, I should say, an episode where I will review the upcoming match against Shakhtar Donetsk. In the europa league but for now that is all i am the mr mike agostinho and i am signing off have a good week everybody let's not give up the fight here let's remember hashtag we are benfica we fight hashtag benfica hashtag damu 38 goodbye everybody
1: Dia de festa e eu quero juntar Minha voz aos milhares no estádio a cantar Ninguém pode parar essa onda danada. nada É o Benfica que mora no meu coração No meu sangue vermelho de glória e paixão Deixa a águia voar que a gente vai vencer A águia chegou É nossa e todo mundo vai vibrar. A águia chegou e agora vai arrasar. Vitória Benfica, todo mundo vai cantar. Benfica vai pegar, Benfica vai pegar. A bola vai rolar, Benfica vai ganhar. Esse clima de festa não vai acabar Sem mais uma vitória pra comemorar SLB glorioso é o meu campeão É o Benfica que mora no meu coração No meu sangue vermelho de glória e paixão Deixa a águia voar que a gente vai vencer A águia chegou e agora vai arrasar vitória é nossa e todo mundo vai vibrar A águia chegou e agora vai arrasar Vitória, Benfica, todo mundo vai cantar Benfica vai pegar, Benfica vai pegar A bola vai rolar, Benfica vai ganhar Chegou e agora vai arrasar A vitória é nossa E todo mundo vai vibrar A águia chegou e agora Vai arrasar Vitória, Benfica, todo mundo vai cantar Benfica vai pegar Benfica vai pegar A bola vai rolar Benfica vai ganhar